with the environment uh, because uh, it's usually quite alarming. Yeah, well, boy oh boy, get ready to get alarmed. Okay. Turns out, according to the newest Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change um, report, that it is much worse than we thought. Uh-oh. It is, it is not going well with all of us. Okay. Um, I feel like every time they do one of these reports, it is always going much worse than we were anticipating. And yeah. maybe they should just stop doing the reports. I mean, if they yeah. don't do the report, then it'll still be going like it was going before. Yeah, exactly. It, w it wouldn't get that much worse every year. What's the prognosis? How long do we have? <laughs> so we need to try and keep carbon or, or to keep warming down below 1.5 degrees. Okay. At our current rate, we're we're shooting for three degrees. Ooh. So that's that's a pretty big gap. What does this imply, though? Is is this like we're all gonna die, or is this like the Capetonians will no. suffer? Um, no, this is this is pretty serious. This is uh, we figured it out the other day. It's we're heading for a children of men future. That's kind of weird. That's the kind of dystopia we're heading for, because no, the world will just slowly begin desertifying desertifying <laughs> not desertifying and yeah so like huge food insecurity water wars that's that's gonna be a highlight of the future uh nice even more refugees like if europe thought syria was bad wait till they get a load of the global ecological collapse fun apparently life in southern africa will become untenable by 2040. Wowee. And that's where you live. It is. We got some rain today, though. I bless the rains down in Africa. I do, too. But uh, here's my counter-argument, is it's currently becoming winter in Nuning. Yeah. It's colder than it was a week ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's proof. So confirmed global warming is a myth? Yes, that's confirmed. <laughs> now I saw somewhere that this the uh. um, southwestern China and like the East Asian countries, this tropical yeah. area that I'm in, and this was on the previous like scale, turn into the most hostile to human life area on the planet by I think it was 2036 or something, which is soon. Yeah. And yeah. judging by the summers here, I can tell you that yes, in fact, it's almost already inhospitable to human life, especially yeah. when you get up to like I mean, 46 degrees Celsius with 100% humidity, it does get quite tough. And I can imagine yeah. that like with climate change, that's going to happen a lot to places n with less rain. Yeah, I mean, one of the most direct consequences is going to be heat waves that kill people. I mean, they already do, but a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, a scary thing I saw was that, well, that I noticed was that Johannesburg and Gauteng are now getting tornadoes, which was never yeah, a thing. Not at all. But now we have a tornado season, which doesn't make any sense. It probably has to do with like ocean getting a little bit warmer and currents changing and I don't know what else. But I think it was a, it's like a mess. some witch doctor shit. 
Yeah, no, we're we're really in a in a big a big old mess. Uh, we can say it's a bit of a pickle. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That brings us to the end of the environmental pickle hour. We're all doomed. <laughs> now on to our regular B-side podcast, and it's called Be Positive. positive. The positive B-movie podcast with your hosts, Fraser. And Louis. That's and Louis. Louis is me. Yes, and you're Louis. And you're Fraser. And I'm Fraser. And the voice you're hearing now, still Fraser. Uh, welcome to week three of Werewolf Appreciation Month, our Halloween special. <coughs> I guess Halloween specials are a limited thing now. It's like a, a rare commodity. Yeah. We'll only get to release so many of these before we all burn to death, which is kind of also a Halloween special. It's the extinction of the human race. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. We can, we can be scared at, at, at ghosts and uh, demons and werewolves, but, uh, but we can simultaneously also just be scared of the awful, awful future that we're all going to be living in. The consequences of our cumulative actions. <laughs> yep. So we forgot last week to announce on the show that we released episode number 40. Yeah, I was going to say that seems like a landmark, but we just blew right through it. Yeah, we're bad with landmarks. Yeah, and we're not going anywhere, you know. We're going to get into the triple digits with these episode numbers. So 40 really oh, yeah. is just a blip along the way. It really is. Uh, we might notice 50 if we're lucky. Uh, yeah. But who knows? I think I we mean, should try and remember to do that. Yeah, I actually, you know what, I made a note about the 40th episode, like before we recorded, I really? made a note to mention it, and I didn't mention it. No, that's that. Well, you know what, I praise you just for thinking of it beforehand anyway, oh, thank you. even though you that's forgot it. Receiving the praise is kind of like, kind of like having done it, and I feel happy either way. Yeah, because uh, it's the thought that counts, right? And you thought about it, uh, so... And I counted the thought. I'm going to start thinking about how much I care about the environment and then I'll, I'll be completely guilt-free. Yeah, 100% guilt-free while we're roasting over open fire. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of this environmentalism <laughs> stuff now, but uh, it's been on my mind. All right. Well, now it's on all of our listeners' minds. Good. So <laughs> this week we're doing Another Wolf Cop, the sequel, the 2017 sequel to the cult classic Wolf Cop from 2014. And this is the first time we've done this. We've done sequels before, but usually out of order and only one uh, yeah. out of a series. Yeah, yeah, like with Hellraiser where we started with the fifth one. Exactly. And ended with the fifth one. That's, yeah. We're probably never going to watch another Hellraiser. Not dipping my toe back into that latex pool. So this is the first time we've actually watched movie one and then watched movie two. And I've got to say, it was a satisfying experience for me. I really enjoyed this movie. It's a lot more Wolf Cop than the first Wolf Cop, but mm. it also manages to co sort of find its own voice. It definitely does. And it, it didn't feel like just a rehash of the first movie. That happens to a lot of b-movie sequels and it it really had an interesting story as well i think i did the last one so will you do a quick synopsis yes okay so we're back in woodhaven which is a canadian town 
I think, did we imply that it was American in the last episode? We sure did. We sure did. <laughs> okay. Well, we're South Africans, okay? We don't have a dog in this race. I'm sorry, Canadians. Sorry, um, Canada. It's a Canadian town. It sure is. Uh, okay, so we're back in Woodhaven. Lou is still an alcoholic, but only in the way that it seems that everyone in, in any kind of semi-rural town is an alcoholic. I don't, he doesn't really drink that much more than the people around him. I mean, even and the mayor is constantly day drinking. Uh, our villain for this installment is uh, Sydney Swallows, local, or not local billionaire, but billionaire, who's coming to revamp the town by opening a beer brewery slash hockey stadium called Dark Star. And they're going to produce Dark Star Chicken Milk Stout, and that's going to you know, bring tourism to Woodhaven. It's going to revamp the whole economy, get everybody yeah. working again. And everyone is very excited about this. But of course, unbeknownst to them, the chicken milk stout is in fact, I guess, infused with reptilian eggs. I'm going to assume yeah. that's the mechanic there. So yeah, really the plan weird. is to revitalize the reptilian the reptilian population of Woodhaven because uh, obviously they, they took quite a knock back in the first film and they can't reproduce uh, on Earth so they need to find a way to make a bunch of beautiful reptilian babies and of course our main man Luguru aka Wolf Cop steps up to slash some reptilian face and save the day yep you don't mess with the fuzz exactly nor do you mess with Willy nor do you mess with Willie, who's back in the sequel. Yeah. Which is, I, you see him in the trailer, and it does seem like, Willie, didn't you die in the first film? Yeah. And I know we had, like, questions um, about what was his function as one of the, the Illuminati-type structure, because he just sells the guns. Yeah. Um, I, I think they solved it quite beautifully in the second film, because I was also wondering, because I'd seen in the on the IMDb that he's in the second one. Um, but they did it really great. Turns out that the reptilian posing as Willy was not the real Willy. They yeah. kidnapped him, put him in suspended animation in some kind of goopy green goop. And yeah. he appears in the beginning of the second one not knowing what had happened during the, the events of the first film. Yeah, let's call the Willy from the first film false Willy. Yes. Um, and, uh, and a little bit later, we're also going to be dealing with the concept of bad willy. Yeah. Uh, so many willies, so little time. Uh. So it fits so nicely into uh, Willie's character that he was actually abducted by the reptilian aliens. And this, in this film, of course, we do discover that they are, uh, in fact, reptilian shape-shifting aliens. Yeah. Willie being like the conspiracy-minded gun nut that he is it's perfect for him to have been abducted by aliens and then we also get like a throwback to the old tabloids of man impregnated with alien baby uh, yeah because yeah, yeah, willie yeah. as it turns out he's pregnant ba with bad willie yeah a little fleshy lump that emerges from his stomach and then eventually evolves like a pokemon into a reptilian muppet yeah, yeah at first he's Caucasian looking and he has a little stash and a little hairdo and he's 
cute. He's not cute. He's still pretty gross. But yeah. um, you kind of grow to like him after he and Witty share a joint. He's got a sassy mouth. Yeah. But then, yeah, eventually he does kind of... I saw it as kind of a gremlins moment where he goes oh, yeah. from normal gut baby to evil green gut baby. And this is why kids should not be smoking weed. Even weird gut baby kids no. turn into gremlins. Um, also, try your best to not get probed by reptilians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always resist, never surrender, and clench is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> right, so they've got these uh, reptilian eggs into the population ahead of the, the big launch. And uh, what triggers it is this, I guess, resonator or signal sending yeah. thingy. It's kind of like a dog whistle in that the townsfolk seem not to be able to hear it, but it activates the final process of gestation for the little rep reptoid yeah. babies. Yeah, exactly. They send out the signal kind of subliminally under their advertising. So yeah. you have um, Sydney Swallows smug and awful as can be selling fucking chicken milk stout um, and meanwhile forcing these awful flesh monsters out of people's guts. But only a limited amount of them at this point ahead of the yeah. big launch. And it's pretty funny. His commercials are brilliant little pieces of satire like we saw in the first Wolf Cop with the like, why do you think I brought this beer to Loserville? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of this total exaggeration of the messages that we receive through advertising. Yeah. So Sydney Swallows is definitely the avatar of like big exploitative business. Uh, in this film. When we're speaking about like small town living, usually it is big corporations that turn into like the big bad guys because either they're exporting their business to a nation with cheaper labor because it has more relaxed labor mm -hmm. laws or um, it's exploiting the townsfolk or whatever. It's usually a big corporation yeah. that's treading on these small communities. Definitely. And it's because they have the both the economic and political power to, for instance, get tax breaks uh, if they move their headquarters somewhere or to even influence labor law in, yeah. in certain places. Yeah, it was so interesting to see that what triggers this kind of gut baby and, and I, I'm reading kind of the gut baby as a, a metaphor for our worst selves, right? Because we yeah. have... A couple of sequences with Willie and Bad Willie, where uh, Bad Willie is kind of giving the id responses, you know, like, oh, he wants to fuck her, whatever, those kinds yeah. of things. So it's interesting that, yeah, they, they make like advertising in the one case, and the national anthem in the other are the kind of top layer over that subliminal signal. The subliminal signal could then be read as the effect of propaganda, the insidiousness of propaganda. And what is advertising but propaganda? So there's two yeah. main sources for propaganda in the modern era. It's the government and it's advertising. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It's that mix of um, consumerism and nationalism 
that seems to be so popular these days. Yeah, man. Uh, people need something to hold on to, and apparently they need several somethings to hold on to and to blindly mm. follow and to get overly excited about. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a brilliant move on the part of the filmmakers to make uh, the reptilians move out of local government into the corporate setting. Yeah. Because that seems like the natural evolution for them. It's also, if you think about it, in most Western nations, that's where the real power lies. It's with the corporations, because without the corporations, the governments would not have any any wealth or any power. It's the concessions that governments give to these corporations that allow the corporations to function, and in turn, the corporations function within that nation, and then they give the government power. So the, the previous government of Woodhaven was actually just a branch of the Dark Star Corporation. They have the same logo and everything. And it's not like the Dark Star Company is trying to hide this logo. They're slapping it on everything. They've got their the Dark Star hockey team, the new Woodhaven local hockey team. Their hockey jersey has got the logo on it, and they've got the logo on all of their brands, everything. It's on the, the chicken milk. This episode brought to you by time. Passing. Irrevocably. Uh, we find Tina now as the chief of police in this town. She's uh, been promoted, probably the only good cop we'd haven't seen in a long time, and now... She's joined by two rookies, uh, rookie number one and JC, rookie number two. And of course, Lou Darkstar is aware of Lou Garou. And they're also aware that the previous branch of reptilians from Woodhaven were taken out by the werewolf. So they construct a plan. And this is another one of those brilliant little references to the past, where they construct uh, an artificial person, they name him Frank, obviously now Frankenstein's monster, whatever, and they set Frank up to battle Wolf Cop. And that's actually, it's an amazing throwback to the sequel to the original Wolfman, which was Wolfman meets Frankenstein. Essentially, he was sent to distract the Woodhaven Police Department. Uh, he attacked a strip club, the name of which was Club Folk, but it's spelled P-H-O-Q-U-E, so folk. <laughs> so he invades the strip club. He murders everybody inside. Tina gets called out. She heads over there. The rookies however, make it their first. Uh, rookie number one and JC, who I titled as rookie number two, they head inside and rookie number one says, uh, this was actually kind of hilarious, he says, I don't want to die, not on my birthday. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, damn, you gonna die. You a dead man. Rookie number one, uh, he's been drinking the chicken milk and when he meets Frank, Frank sort of scans him, does a biometric thing and sees the organism in his belly. And this is the first time we, we get the hint that uh, the chicken milk is growing something inside of, inside of the townspeople. 
Have we met Willie's gut baby by by that point? I think this is just after we've met Willie's gut baby. So that's kind of where we start putting the pieces together. Yeah, we also, we realize that Tina and Willie have some sort of history, but now yeah. Tina and Lou seem to be in a complicated relationship. Yeah, uh, Willie's relationship with Tina seems very one-sided. Uh, he's, he's actually quite sweet in how uh, infatuated he is with Tina. Yeah. He is head over heels in love while still being respectful. He's probably one of the more respectful characters in the film. Yeah. But Frank turns to leave the rookie alone. Rookie pulls his gun, shoots Frank to no effect. And uh, he gets killed. Following this, Tina shows up with Lou and they head inside to investigate. Lou, of course, being the wolf cop, is just like, I'm going to... Fisty cups. I'm a wolf carpet. He goes in to fight Frank and gets his ass kicked. Yeah. It's great to see someone who's a a, a match for wolf cops prowess. It gets boring watching like an indestructible, super strong creature just smacking around people. Eventually Mm -hmm. you want to see it take a hit and a challenge. Uh, And again, we see the same thing that happened in the first film where Lou blindly attacks, he loses a fight, uh, and Tina ends up actually saving him. Yeah, Tina, once again, the most rational person, the most intelligent person, and, and definitely the hero, or a hero at the very least. Yeah, so Tina works quickly to construct a Molotov cocktail, chucks it at Frank, drags poor, bloody, pulped up, wolf cop out of the building yeah uh, that's pretty much the last we see of frank to be honest i was expecting yeah, him to be I, a bit more of the like mm. to feature a lot more maybe like a a second a rematch type of situation but it never happened yeah i really would have liked to have seen him at the big fight at the hockey arena in the end yeah i wonder why they didn't do that it's strange it's like they were planning to do that because the lizards retrieve frank's body and then while they're looking at yeah. looking him over and assessing the damage another lizard walks in with this metal head and i actually wrote down that frank gets a jason x upgrade going from like a grungy jason Voorhees to a futuristic space age looking jason Voorhees type but yeah that head just goes onto the body of the hockey players yeah i was a little disappointed it would have been great to because they it, it, it looked like they were fixing him up and getting him ready yeah. for the next fight and it would have been interesting to see like what modifications or improvements they made to prepare him for an ice fight yeah and also it would have been interesting to see how lou manages to defeat him because mm. as we saw in the initial battle lou was no match for this creature yeah he couldn't do anything willie then takes lou off to regina Re- regina 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 the town that rhymes with fun yeah <laughs> uh, takes him off to a different town to meet Willie's sister, Cat. Yay! The Higgins family grows. Cat then does a lot to expand the lore of this universe. Mm. First of all, she does a lot of conspiracy research into reptilians. And second of all, she seems to be a bit of a witchy type herbalist kind of dealio. Yeah, she probably like sells crystals at a little market on Saturdays. And on Etsy. Yes. Dreamcatchers on Etsy. <laughs> so uh, she fixes Lou up and smells his crotch and realizes that he is 
a lichen, as she puts it. And the term lichen is interesting, as it, it's one of the oldest terms for man to wolf yeah. were beast, coming from King Lycaon, who tried to trick the god Zeus. He was having Zeus over for dinner, you know, as you do. Yeah. And he wanted to see how all-knowing is Zeus really. So Lycaon chopped up his sons, made them into a stew, and served the boy stew to Zeus. Zeus, upon tasting the stew, was like, dude, you nasty. You want to eat people? Fine. Cursed him into the form of a wolf to roam the earth for the rest of his days, consuming human meat. That was where we got the origin of the term lycanthrope, which lichen. shortened to lichen in the underworld films and now in the wolf cop universe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that Kat knows her shit. She's got yep. many a, a cult resource at her disposal. She sure does. And she saves our hero by giving him a, a schnort of moon rock some crushed up moon rock. This moon rock becomes a pivotal part of this film because the full moon's over. They need to yeah. transform Lou in a way that doesn't require a full moon. And like in the first film where he needs to take that last drink before he can achieve his full power, uh, in this film he needs to do a fat rail before he can get through the final punch-up. Obviously the moon rock is a thinly veiled metaphor for cocaine uh, because every time the yeah. moon rock is out and about, Willie also dips his finger and rubs it on his gums. <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to achieve through that. Uh, he's not going to get any moon shit out of it. Yeah, he's not He's not a were-boy. Cat, his sister, is a were-cat? Were-panther? I've never Bob seen cat? a panther that looks like that. Yeah, it's probably more like a bobcat type situation. Isn't she just also a werewolf? No, she's a feline. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So <laughs> what ends up happening is uh, they go out for a drink... Willie doesn't feel right, so he heads back home to smoke the previously mentioned joint with Bad yep. Willie. And um, yeah. Lou and Kat hit it off. They head home. And what follows is the reverse, I mean, a much more graphic reverse of yep. the sex scene from the first film, where it was Wolf Cop with Jesse. Now we've got human Lou Garou with yeah. Were Cat. Oh boy, is it gratuitous. They really went for it this time. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of makes the first one seem tasteful. Yeah, the first one now, in my mind, seems like a really romantic, well-measured sex scene in comparison to this one. Yeah, where this one was very aggressive, intense. Explicit, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can't we can't really discuss it any further without giving our podcast an X rating. Yeah, hopefully you've seen the film, so now you also know yeah. the magic that is <laughs> where love. And I, I thought it was a really clever reversal because I'd kind of just assumed that he would go wolf mode, but yeah, then I realized, uh, no, they're doing the the opposite day version. Then. Uh, they head back and... Oh, but first they kill Bad Willy. Yeah, first they kill Bad Willy. So following the coitus, Cat and Lou emerge from the bedroom to Willy's screaming, his panic, uh, that Bad Willy has escaped and it's now attacking yeah. them. Lou obviously taking the typical chauvinist male 
approach to being, oh, I'm the tough, brave man. Let me go deal with the tiny lizard Muppet. Yeah. And once again, it doesn't work out for Lou because no. as we see, he's quickly disarmed and ends up with Bad Willy chomping on his neck. He's really lucky that Bad Willy didn't chomp him up before Cat blew a hole in, in Bad Willy's neck. Cat ends Bad Willy's short-lived reign of terror. <laughs> It's pretty funny. The ad that triggers Bad Willy to go full lizard baby has the new tagline for chicken milk beer, which is slam a cold cock. (laughs) (laughs) So I just find it hilarious that such a like banal, stupid, shitty message is what brings out this monster. The first time we hear the slogan, it comes actually from a bit of star power. We've got... Yeah. Kevin Smith featuring as Bubba Rich. This is a segment we like to call, hey, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith appears as the new mayor. He's drinking the chicken milk stout. He's trying to get JC, the second deputy, to drink it. Yeah. And Tina shows up to tell him off. Yeah, and he's maybe the first mayor I've ever seen wearing a hockey jersey under his blazer, which I guess is just classic Kevin Smith and also an opportunity to, to show off that sweet Dark Star merch. Which is legitimately cool. I would personally wear that hockey jersey. I'd wear that shirt. Kevin Smith is also the first non-Willy victim to the thing growing within him yeah. from the chicken milk. Yeah, that's what gets him eventually. He gets called into the Dark Star lab. He slams a cold cock and he's about to take payment for, you know, allowing Dark Star all this leeway he's been giving him again showing you know the state and business in the same bed working together yeah but uh, Sydney Swallows takes out his little subliminal antenna and Kevin's gut baby just busts out loops up and bites him in the neck straight for the jugular and at the same time the other deputy gets kidnapped a funny thing that Baba Rich says is something like he's never invested in something this sordid since he invested in that porno entitled The Cunt for Red October. <laughs> That's great. I guess this brings us to the final showdown at the ice rink. Everybody's pitching up, got their gear on, buying their Dark Star brews. Uh, The whole town's super excited for the big game against the Regina. I don't know what their team name is. Pot Ashes. Yeah. Wolf Cop, Lugaru poses as the goalie and Willy poses as the referee and Tina is keeping the perimeter, making her patrols, trying to figure out what's happening here. Sydney Swallows activates his subliminal messaging, making all of the little lizards burst out of the townsfolk's stomachs. Sydney doesn't technically trigger the subliminal thing this time. He's out on the ice giving his speech, which is a wonderful little piece of evil billionaire guff talking about how undervalued real estate and cheap labor aren't enough to make a town great. Earlier, he says to a a reporter on television, uh, she asks him, why did you decide to come to Woodhaven? And he says, well, Woodhaven's depressed economy and cheap labor force made it a natural fit for Darkstar, just in case his intentions and motivations weren't already clear enough. Um, So we get the organist who plays the national anthem on his fucking crazy sci-fi synth. Yeah. Who who triggers the gut baby explosion. We're glossing over the organist's name. Organo. (laughs) Organo. 
Organo. <laughs> he wears a fucking steampunk top hat. Yeah. Maybe in a little bit of a reference to the previous one. That guy, uh, by the way, is the lead singer and lead uh, keyboardist of the band Styx. Okay. Prog rock fans w- will remember. Somehow the hockey game starts. Yeah, while everyone's bursting. I don't know what exactly, but it feels like a kind of continuity problem. Yeah, yeah. It could be a continuity problem. Or it can be that the rift between these two communities is so great that even Mm. with the citizens of of Woodhaven being in such clear distress, the citizens of Regina just wouldn't care. Yeah, the potashers don't care because it's only their team and three cheerleaders and an old man there from the Regina township. Yeah, none of them have been drinking the chicken milk. Yeah, they stick to their moonshine. The game starts and the Dark Stars are now revealed to be robo-dudes. Quickly kill off the pot ashes. Head through to Gora Gold for some reason. But yeah. Wolf Cop is the goalie. He takes off his glove. He catches the puck in his hand. I guess it shows how tough he is. I've never played <laughs> ice hockey. I don't have a reference point for this scene. <laughs> But what follows is a little bit of classic ice hockey violence, I guess, where yeah. Wolf Cop mutilates the Dark Star team. Yeah, and the Dark Star team seems to be like, a, I don't know how many people are usually on a hockey team, but it seems like there are like 30 players on the Dark Star yeah. team. So he has a lot of fodder to work through. Number two, who is this companion to Sydney Swallows, she shows up in a tank yeah. with like a gun turret and just takes out Wolf Cop and he's incapacitated. It's at this yeah. point that he has to drink the moon rock cocaine mixed with moonshine uh, in order yeah, to get so back up. Yeah, it's a out. super moon kind of thing. It still doesn't help. And again, in his time of need, he is saved by Cat. This time transformed into her werecat form. Yeah, she takes number two out and stops the tank before it can crush Wolf Cop and the cheerleaders and the old man. The cheerleaders then walk up to number two and beat the shit out of her. Yeah, they really go at it. That must have been a fun shoot. The film plays out to Strange Animal by... I'm not entirely sure what artist. The guy who played uh, Organo... Gowan did do a song for the soundtrack, but I don't think it was Strange Animal. Strange Animal is the second studio album by Canadian musician Lawrence Gowan. Uh Uh Aha! It is him. It is Organo. It is Organo. It is also a perfect fit because what is a stranger animal than a half wolf, half man were cop? I guess the only stranger animal would be the reptilian uh, gut babies. Okay, fair enough. There are a few strange animals in this film. Yeah. Right at the end. Very we... few normal animals. Yeah, actually. Even though Lou lives in the <laughs> town, like, rescue center or whatever, yeah. there are no animals no in this movie, actually. Right at the end, we are treated to a screen that says, Wolf Cop will return. There's an end credit sequence. Sorry, what did you want to say about Wolf Cop uh, returning? No, I'm just, I'm pumped. That's it. I'm just pumped. I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, we have an end credit sequence. Who is that with the messed up face? I'm not sure. It must be someone from... I vaguely 
feel from the first one. Like, is it the guy that gets his face torn off? That's what I was thinking. It's played as though we should be familiar with this person, but like I just didn't have, I just don't know, no idea. Was he in the strip club that burned down? He must be a bad dude because Wolf Cop runs him over. Is it Wolf Cop that runs him over? Well, there's a howl when he gets run over, so I'm assuming it's Wolf Cop. <laughs> Well, now we know it could be cat. Um, yeah, it could be cat, but although she does of more of like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. cat noises. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. We'll we'll have to ask them to tell us what that credit sequence is about or post credit sequence. Yeah, uh, as the listeners, if you guys have the answer to this, tweet it at us or share it on our Facebook page or group. The last thing I want to mention is that mm. Lou Garou legend that I was talking about in the previous episode where it's from the Beast of... This is the uh, OG French legend. Gevaudan. <laughs> Turns out it's also common in uh, the various French diaspora in the North American lands. Uh, right. uh, as French Canadians have their own uh, Lugaru or, and you're gonna like this, yeah. Rougarou, actually hey. spelled R O U X G A R O U X. And it's also in the Creole people and, you know, the whole Louisiana, all that. They, they yeah, speak yeah, of yeah. the Rougarou as this kind of werewolf, but it's specific in the way that you get cursed into becoming a Rougarou. They talk about right. it being bipedal and having super strength but that you're transformed for 101 days for some reason. That's a long fucking time. That's a long time. And it's also one of the few werewolf myths that actually has transmission of the curse via a bite. Oh, really? Is that not the usual method? The usual method to become a werewolf is some sort of pact with Satan, uh, like a special ointment uh. that you apply or something of that nature where... This is the first pre-Hollywood uh, indication of transmission of the curse via bite, where in traditional werewolf mythology, uh, you just simply don't survive a werewolf attack. Uh, right, okay. That's super interesting. So yeah, I was quite excited when I found out that it goes a bit deeper than that. And uh, wolf cop Lugaru is sort of an amalgamation of the traditional myth of the Rougarou being a super powerful yeah. humanoid uh, wolf beast that maintains some of its intellect its human intellect yeah. uh, mixed with the Hollywood notion of a werewolf transforming with the full moon. In this, we don't have any uh, attachment to silver killing the wolf, which mm -hmm. also that was never part of the werewolf mythology from any culture. That's a completely Hollywood mm -hmm. culture. Yeah, I feel like the filmmakers here really made some good choices with kind of what aspects of werewolf mythology to combine and put together. Yeah. They, they chose only what they needed for their story, which I think worked very much in their favor. Something that I liked about the style of this film is it seems like they're building almost a Toxic Avenger, you know, the trauma film franchise. Uh, they're right. building something similar around the Wolf Cop uh, universe. Yeah, and I think it could really work for them. I mean, I'd say Wolf Cop is already a lot more approachable than uh, old Toxie. Yeah, no, definitely. It's more palatable and it's it's a more modern, less 80s take yeah. on this sort of thing. Whereas like in the 80s, things were more hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. of the 80s aesthetic <laughs> is like a little uh. bit 
harder on the eyes. You know, we like to be nostalgic about the 80s now, and definitely Wolf Cop 2 takes a lot more cues from 80s movies than 1, I'd say. But the 80s we see now is definitely not the actual 80s. Oh, it's no. very much a contemporary stylization of it. Overall, I really enjoyed the sequel. Uh, to me, it doesn't beat the original Wolf Cup. It's still a pretty fun watch, and... I think I agree with you for the most part. I think this film is really successful and, you know, it's super silly, it's super out there, a lot of action and fun. But I think it does also have something more behind it. It is saying something about how we are influenced and what we are influenced to be. And for that, I really appreciated it. I really dug this movie. I, I hope that there's a, a third one. And I'm sure there will be, especially with the fact that going from the first one where they won a sort of film competition or a contest or something. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they just made this where they went from that to having Kevin Smith feature in the film. And that's a lot more star power already, judging by the fan reaction to the first film, which was almost an instant cult classic. I'm sure that they'll continue making... Lowell Dean, yeah. I'm sure, is going to make another He's film on like it. this. How would you rate this film out of mm -hmm. one to six cat nipples? Uh, I'd give this one a nice five out of six cat nipples. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Five out of six cat nipples, thus making me a lopsided cat thing with yeah. like four... Yeah aligned nips and then one just off to the side just kind of lost on my belly oh one more thing i wanted to talk about is the the fucking walkie talkie gag oh yeah i love that so much <laughs> <laughs> whenever i hear anyone talking over a walkie talkie i can't believe that they understand what the other person is saying because it just sounds like noise uh they did that in wolf cup where anytime you hear someone over a walkie talkie it's just sorry that was the last thing i wanted to mention i really enjoyed it <laughs> when you are hearing this episode dear listener it will have been fraser's birthday so why not go ahead and give him a little shout out on the twitter on the group wish your boy a happy birthday that'll be dope guys please uh well no i'm not begging i'm not begging i'm just saying it'll be nice <laughs> i'm not begging you know what you can do for my birthday is you can drop us a review on stitcher or apple apple tunes itunes apple podcast Ap apple pod whatever pod they're calling apple. whatever they're calling themselves these days Next week on Werewolf Appreciation Month, be positive, the positive werewolf movie Halloween podcast. We're watching American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, what? Uh, you almost got me. I thought we were going to watch a classic werewolf movie of high quality. No, we're going to watch a cheap knockoff werewolf movie of low quality uh, meant to distract <laughs> grandmothers the world over when they're buying films for their grandkids. I'm sure it'll have a lot to say. I'm sure it has a lot of uh, intense philosophical content and it'll be a richly detailed narrative. Mm. Mm. And we'll be the first to find it. Ever. Uh, and then, as always, you stay scary. Uh, spooky times in the spooky place. Earth 2018.
Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right, everybody, have fun out there in the Halloweeniverse <laughs> in your Spooktober. <laughs> um, see y'all next week. Man, it was so crazy to see Kevin Smith just slamming a cold cock. <laughs> just slamming. And I love how concerned everyone looks when you have a cold cock. Yeah, even the reptilians are like.